Good morning, church family. I know you don't typically see me sitting here, um, but today I get a chance to share uh, my testimony and how God has led me and to continue with the ongoing theme of why I follow Jesus. And uh, we're just going to go right into it. Um, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 15. And uh, for those of you familiar with uh, Exodus 15, it's a story of the Exodus. And um, these first five verses are actually a song, thanks to Jennifer Schwartzer. And so I'm going to sing a little bit of it as you follow along. And we'll kind of break down some of the pieces of this. Exodus chapter 15, and verse 1, it says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength, my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. So it's, we'll stop there. And that verse right there, the Lord is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. This is also repeated a couple other times in Psalm 118, verse 14, and also Isaiah 12, verse 2. And a lot of times we, uh, we're quick to go to verses that talk about the Lord being our source of strength, Philippians 4, 13 or our source of our salvation, John 3.16, of course. But a lot of times we don't really focus on the Lord being the source of our song. And um, in the context of this, um, we see as we keep on reading that uh, it continues to talk about the experience that the children of Israel went through. And so as we continue on, it says, He is my God. And I will prepare him in habitation, my father's God. And I'll exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. And it goes on to say, talk about the story, Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts as he cast into the sea. His chosen captains are also drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Now, if you had gone through this experience, you'll understand and you kind of put yourself in their shoes it wasn't just some meaningless ditty that they hummed along and they were just kind of like, oh, yeah, chariots, you know, Pharaoh's chariots and his host cast into the sea. This was them sharing their experience, their firsthand witnesses of probably the most miraculous things that happened in the Old Testament. The river, uh, the Nile River turning into blood and all of the other plagues that directly showed that the true and only all-powerful God was more powerful than any of the gods that the Egyptians worshipped. God was leading them um, um, after they had left Egypt through a, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Can you imagine that, uh, <laughs> that scene of being led by a pillar or a a lot of artists will describe it as a tornado of some sort. Um, tornado, we just kind of saw some, some of us here in Florida. And um, of course, probably the most monumental miracle of the Old Testament, the parting of the Red Sea. And as they're going through and as they cross the Red Sea, they sing this song. And it's such a powerful, powerful song because it showed the experience that they had with God. 
So this song, as it says, the Lord is my strength and song. He has given us this experience. He is our experience. And um, when you look at this song, this concept of a song as, as music majors and um, th those of us who study composers and study music, we often look to what the composer was going on, what, what was going on in the composer's life at the time. And we'll often find out the kinds of influences that the, the composer was going through and have a deeper meaning of the piece as a result of studying uh, that composer's experience. And so um, something as simple as um, one of my friends and colleagues, Gio Santos, he, he just wrote a piece uh, that I thought was pretty funny called Gianna's Mood. Gianna is his daughter, and so he wrote a piece that uh, actually kind of described her mood that day, and you can kind of see it going all over the place, and you know you can you can hear some of the happy moments, some of the hyper and and tantrum and and you know kind of jazzy and all over the place, and it was his way of kind of experimenting with some compositional techniques. So that's just one one you know example. Another could be. Um, Bella Bartok, who traveled the country and um, he was collecting folk songs. And as a result, his other compositions kind of reflected the culture and the, and the sounds that you would hear in the folk songs. Um, more recently, we sang the song, It Is Well. And um, if you study what the, the writer of the hymn uh, went through, it was such a traumatic experience and a tragic experience of his family passing away. And when you, when you read the text and you sing the hymn after learning about what the composer's experience went through, what, what that composer went through, it's just, it, it becomes uh, more meaningful to those of us who hear the song. Music, as I said, is a way of expressing and reflecting upon our experiences. And so today, this morning, I'd just like to share a few personal experiences that I know with certainty, it must have been God intervening. It certainly strengthened my faith, and it's my hope that the, a few of these stories will help increase your faith in God and how He's probably led all of us in our lives. So story number one, going back to 2005, I had just graduated and I um, was trying to get some spray paint to, anyways, went to the store and I was on the freeway and as I was driving down the freeway, this was the 210, California, for any of you who know the 210, passing by La Crescenta area, I noticed that there was kind of a black streak on the, on the freeway, and as I got closer and closer, I noticed, whoa, this is not just a black mark on the freeway, this was actually a piece of scrap metal. And by the time I realized it, I was really close to it, so I had to swerve out of the way. And so if you can imagine a four-lane freeway, I was middle left lane, and so I swerved left and lost control and I tried to regain control by turning right, and I actually, the steering wheel turned all the way right, and I went all the way across the freeway, down a ditch, 
And after kind of looking at what had happened, I actually went in between two signs. I'm going to kind of show you a picture of, I, I actually went on Google Map to find the spot that I went down this hill is about 25 feet. And at the bottom of the hill, I was actually facing upward. And so I must have spun around. And all I remember is in that moment, time kind of froze. And I could only pray, Lord, help me. <laughs> because I, there's nothing really I could have done. I couldn't see. There was smoke all around as I was spinning off the freeway. And I got to the bottom and kind of checked myself. And this is fine. It was totally fine. I, I heard the, the music start playing again. And so I stopped the car and ran up the hill. Um, and after kind of assessing what had happened, um, all I can say is just it was nothing short of a miracle. The firemen who came by were like, if you had just spun maybe 10 feet one direction or the other, it'd probably be a different story. Um, another one actually came up to me and uh, saw on my license plate, <laughs> I had a, you know, a license plate uh, little frame on there that said, the word of the day is Jesus, spread the word. And when he saw that, he was like, oh, now I know that why you're okay. Now I know why, why you had no scratches, no bruises, and nothing happened to you because somebody was taking care of you. And so this is just an example of how the Lord was my source of salvation. It wasn't my time. And after that, I was actually uh, a week later going on a mission trip to the Philippines. And I was about to start my teaching career. And so had I not been around at that time, perhaps the Lord wouldn't have been able to use me. Perhaps I wouldn't be here today. And... Uh, we can think of it as coincidence, but I know for sure in my heart that it was the Lord intervening at that time. So story number two. It's my first year teaching at Bakersfield Adventist Academy. And um, this is right after that story of me having a car accident, by the way. And uh, at Bakersfield Academy, they had something, I don't know if they've continued it now, but they had something called outdoor education, outdoor school, where the entire high school gets to go camping. And uh, I thought, oh, that's great. Um, but uh, the wilderness survival you know, expert teacher was kind of in charge of this. And uh, for those of you who probably from call it different things, probably from California, we'll call it real camping. Some here, I just learned, call it backpacking. But you go out, and my idea of camping in California was going to a nice little spot where, you know, there's a little lot for you to put your tents down, and it's all kind of laid out nicely. You could use the bathrooms. You have, you know, running water, showers, you know, glamping kind of for some people. Um, but this was not one of those kind of camping trips. It was, uh, we go out into the middle of the forest and there's nothing there. It's uh, not really a campsite. It's just a place where you lay down your tents and you've got to filter your own water, make your own bathrooms, dig a hole. And uh, I was like, okay, I can, I can handle that. I, I, it's, uh, it's not 
It's not terrible. But then part of one of the activities, I think it was the second day, or maybe it was the first day, was to go on this hike. And, uh, you know, the wilderness survival teacher, he's, he's kind of talking nonchalantly, just, yeah, we're going to go down this hike. You just follow the stream down. It's probably, you know, two and a half miles, five miles total going back. And, uh, and it should be fine. It should be a nice afternoon activity for us to do. So uh, he's going to need, he wanted some volunteers to lead about 20 students each to go down this hike. So I said, oh, fine, nice young 23-year-old, pretty good shape. thought I could lead them. So my idea of a hike I mean, from Southern California is this nice wide open trail where you can just follow the path all the way up and follow it back. Fine, no problem. Well, this was kind of one of those hikes where I don't think a, a forest ranger had come to scout out all these things. It was, there was no trail. Our instructions were to just follow the water all the way down and then we'd find our way back to camp. But uh, me being a city boy, um, I had no idea what I was doing. So it was just a five mile hike. All right, so I'm gonna lead these students down, not really knowing what I'm doing. And we go down this mountain pass where you know, it's down a ravine where we have mountains kind of, it's beautiful actually. You know, the mountains are on both sides and you follow this river all the way down. And I'm, you know, leading a few students down and I, uh, I come across and some students are like, Mr. Roddy, you just went through stinging nettle. And I was like, oh, is that what this burning sensation is in my ankle? <laughs> and so, I was like learning new things as I'm going down and you know, stinging nettle, if you don't know, it lasts for about 10 minutes and it goes away, so it was, it was fine. And I also found out what, what uh, poison oak looks like as well. I had never really seen it before and so I was learning things as I go down this, uh, this hike together. And it was a pretty difficult hike. I was actually surprised, you know, we were climbing against mountains and if you slipped and fell, you could probably get seriously hurt. And we were having to find ways, since there's no trail, cut through bushes and all these things and wade through the water a little bit and jump across rocks. And there came this point um, where one of the students actually had uh, a little bit of a, it could have been both, we found out later it was a little bit of emotional trauma and uh, physical trauma and was dealing with some issues. And so the other teacher was helping. We decided to stop at this nice area where the kids can, the students can play and, you know, swim around. And we ended up waiting around for about an hour, hour and a half, could have been two hours. But we started to notice the sun's starting to go down. And when you're in that ravine and the mountains are right beside you, you know that it could get dark really, really quickly. So we pack up everything and we start heading down and try to finish this hike. And my job as a teacher was to lead the students as quickly as possible to get back to the camp. And the other teacher who I kind of caught up with was kind of caboosing the, the rest of the group and helping that student. So um, I'm leading down these students, you know, leading these students down this hike. And uh, I noticed that some of the students are having a hard time. I'm, I'm actually kind of scared myself and uh, you know it's starting to get dark and we get to this part where there's a waterfall 
And so you can imagine there's a ledge here where the water's falling down and there were rocks on either side of the waterfall where you could jump across. So I said, well, let me just try it real quick and see uh, how safe it is to jump across. And so I jump it. Uh, I had to really jump and, okay, I made it and I noticed the rocks were slippery. And I was like, okay, students, I looked behind me. I said, you need to cross the, the river. It's about knee high, it's fine. This is safer than trying to jump this. And my student behind me, he just says, all right, I'm gonna jump it. <laughs> and so he goes, he jumps, he lands on the rock on the other side, slips, falls backwards, and falls, does kind of a 360 and falls down the waterfall. And you can imagine, I'm standing there seeing all of this in slow motion and I'm just like, <gasps> Lord, why? <laughs> it's my first year teaching, you know. Uh, I, why, why is this happening right now? And it must have been, it felt like five minutes, but it must have been a good five, 10 seconds. The student yells out, I'm okay. And I was just like, praise the Lord. And so we go down this hike and we're, we're continuing down. It's getting dark. We get to the point where they said, it's actually unsafe for us to go through this path that we need to go to in order to get back to the camp. So students need to wait here and what we're gonna to have to do is climb up this mountain up to the road where the, the vans will shuttle us back to the camp. And so my job was to climb up to the mountain, climb up to the road and wave down the van that uh, was gonna come pick us up. The other teacher was gonna drive the van. And so I'm climbing up, and actually, this is a pretty difficult hike, climbing, climbing up, and all of these emotions going on, and this experience of me trying to lead these students, and that student falling down the waterfall. And um, I'm climbing up this mountain, and I get to the top, and I'm in just complete silence and blackness at the top of this mountain on, on this road. And as I'm at the top, all the students were kind of below, and I, I was just waiting for the van to come. I had this experience of singing this song called Guide Me to Thee. I'd probably sung it a number of times, a bunch of times before. But at that particular moment, after going through that experience, singing the lyrics, even in the darkest night, even in the morning light, as in the morning bright, be thou my beacon light, guide me to thee. I was brought to tears, and I had this experience of just communing with God, thanking Him for what He had just done for us. All the students made it back to the camp safely. The student who fell down just had a few scrapes and was fine. You can imagine when everybody got back to the camp, this, the, the feeling that everyone had of coming together and bonding together through that experience. That song, Guide Me to Thee, just became so much more meaningful, so much more powerful, because I had gone through an experience of God saving my life and God saving my students' life and saving all my students from that difficult hike. The Lord is my strength and my song. He is my experience and He has become my salvation. 
I'm going to sing that song, actually, at the end, but I want to tell one more story. And this last story is simply a story of how I came here to Florida. It's going to be a short, shorter story, but just to give a little background, <clears throat> as I did a little digging into the hiring process for this music minister position, I quickly found out I actually wasn't the first person that they had called to be at this position. And uh, I wasn't even actually supposed to be considered. Uh, and uh, the church and, and the conference had other plans to hire someone else and then another someone else. But because of varying circumstances, um, we, they both declined. And I kind of chuckled myself when I found out this information because this has actually been an ongoing theme in my life. You see, my first job at Bakersfield, I actually wasn't supposed to get that job. There were other qualified persons who um, were probably more qualified than me to teach that position, but yet, because of certain circumstances, they chose me. At Thunderbird Academy, uh, when I taught there a number of years later, uh, I just finished with my master's program, um, and there was no jobs available because, at that time, it was the recession. And, um, I was actually going to go to Korea. I was actually going to teach for English for a year in Korea. And I was literally about to sign the papers to go over there. And that same week, I get a call um, saying, hey, you know, La Sierra Academy is actually opening up for a band position. I said, All right. You know, the Lord's called me to do music ministry, so I'm going to go there. I interview there. And band wasn't really something that I had focused a lot on. So I wasn't really expecting too much. Um, and actually, a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, who also interviewed there, got the job. And he actually came from Thunderbird Academy. So um, they recommended me to go to Thunderbird Academy. So because of certain circumstances, I got that job for some reason. And the Lord placed me there for his own reasons. Same thing happened at Loma Linda Academy when I went there. There was actually someone else way more qualified than me who had his doctorate, someone else who um, the principal at the time was really pushing for because of a number of different reasons. But because of certain circumstances, that principal wasn't a part of the hiring process anymore, and it went on, and for some reason, I got chosen. And of course, that some reason is because the Lord puts us in places that He wants us to be. And so what was my job? Well, my job was just to be faithful in His calling. And we're going to get to that in a second. But in this position here in Florida, I just want to tell you some of the steps that had to be made in order for my family and I to be here. So it was August 7, and I know this because it was the day before Zion was born. That's my son, Zion. And I get a call from Steve Jenks. <laughs> he said, hey, we're considering you at the Forest Lake Church in Florida. And I just laughed because I was like, really? The day before my son was born, <laughs> what a timing. And uh, so I, I didn't say no because uh, even though I, when I talked to my wife that night, we both thought it was ridiculous to even consider going there. It's considering the timing, considering if you're, if you're a teacher, you understand August 7, school is about to start in the middle of August. And so all your prep is probably even done already, or at least, you know, you're, you're getting to you be prepared for the school year. I had three different part-time jobs in Seattle. Um, but we prayed about it. And Zion was born. I had more time to kind of think things through. 
and we made a list. This is a long list of things that absolutely had to happen in order for us to be here. 100% had to happen because it was just non-negotiable. Number one, my wife, Leone, she had to be okay with it. And uh, if you didn't know, her family is all actually in Seattle. And so for her to leave and be okay with leaving to come here, it's actually a pretty big deal. Number two, and under number two was probably the list of, you know, at least 10, 15 different things. Financially, it had to make sense for us. Um, it was just mandatory because um, Zion was being born. There had to be stability. There had to be a, a number of things. Um, my mother-in-law, who actually um, was living with us at the time and still continues to live with us today, she was going through dialysis and she was getting government aid. And so that had to actually be approved. There are all these financial things, the move, everything. And for some reason, you know, as I, in my mind, I was like, well, if the Lord really wants us to be here, let's just see. And it was kind of a, a really cool experience to see, check, okay, check. In my mind, because I had gone through these experiences in the past, it's like, well, if the Lord wants us to be there, I wasn't worried. He'll, he'll, he'll find a way for us to be there. Another thing was I, I had three different employers I had to talk to. And to be fair to all of them, I felt it necessary that I tell them um, that I was actually applying to this position. And they had to be okay with making contingency plans whether I was going to stay or whether I was going to leave. And as I talked to all three, they were actually like, okay, let's work with you because, you know, and they, that was an answer to prayer. I mean, what a risk I had to take just to tell them about this position. They could have just said, all right, we're just going to find somebody else and uh, you'll have no choice but to, to just leave. And, but they actually made contingency plans for both. Plan A, if I leave. Plan B, if I stayed. And actually, as we kept on praying about it, and all these prayers have been answered, we began to, to pray about Zion. And actually, the number one reason we moved here was for Zion to grow up in a good environment. And so we prayed and prayed and did some research. And we're praying that as, we, as Zion grows up, that this will be a nice nurturing environment for him at the Forest Lake Seventh-day Adventist Church. And so far, thank you to church family for being so welcoming and uh, for, for loving us and Zion the way that you have. And also another answered prayer on top of this was at the time, there were actually some Sabbath issues with one of the jobs I had teaching at a community college. They don't necessarily consider your schedule as a priority a lot of times, even as a teacher. And so this job just offered me the opportunity to do what God had called me to do in the first place, which is music ministry full time. At every step, God led the way for each of these items to be taken care of. At every step, God was taking care of us, taking care of me. And we can think of it as coincidence in our human minds. A lot of times, yeah, you know, just happened to get scratches. Yeah, it just happened to go through these two signs. Could have gone five feet this way or another. But it's really difficult for me to think that. It was just coincidence. Really difficult for me to think it was just luck that every single point on our checklist was answered, every single one, 100%. So it was my certainty. I am certain this morning that God has been leading and continues to lead me today. And that's why I follow Jesus.
couple of verses to end. Psalm 77 verse 19 says, Your way was in the sea. Your path is in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. Verse 20 says, You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. You see, God may lead us down bumpy roads. God may lead us through the desert, through the sea, through the mountains. But as it says in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 290, the path where God leads the way may lie through the desert or the sea, but it is a safe path. So this morning, what is our, what is our response to this? In Samuel, 1 Samuel 12, and you read kind of through the chapter in the context, it's Samuel's farewell address. And uh, verse 22 and 24 in particular is what we'll focus on. But Samuel, in these verses around it, recounts how God has led his people all the way from Moses and Aaron leading them out of Egypt and saved them through numerous times and battles. And even while they rejected God as their king and chose their own king and worshiped their own gods and rebelled against his commandments, God continued to yearn for his people and to lead his people. In verse 22, it says, For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. And verse 24 says, Only fear the Lord. This is our response and what God wants us to do. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you.